Thank you for listening to this sermon from Goodwill Church, located in New York's Hudson Valley. Goodwill Church is on a mission to be a hub of revival in the Northeast and beyond. For more information about our church, please visit goodwillchurch.org. Now, here's the sermon. Before we start our next sermon series, which will be next week, we will be um, doing a study through the Minor Prophets. Today we are going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 10, verses 1 through 22. Let us give our attention to the reading of God's word. 1 Corinthians 10, starting at verse 1. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. And all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was displeased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things took place as an example for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by the serpent, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the age has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands, take heed lest he falls. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak As to sensible people, judge for yourself what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ and the bread that we break? Is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body. For we all partake of one bread. Consider the people of Israel. Are not those who ate the sacrifice participants in the altar? What do I imply then? That food offered to idols is anything or that an idol is anything? No. I imply that what pagans sacrifice they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to participate with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. 
Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Let us pray. Lord, we are grateful for these words. Help us this morning. Open our hearts. Teach us so that we would learn. Draw us closer to you, God. We thank you and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. When I stop and reflect on our church, we are a church that has been blessed by God. We are a church that because of what we've done in the past, we can see God's blessing. We are a church that almost celebrates 300 years worshiping on the same grounds. We are a church that in those 300 years, we have only had 15 senior pastors. That means that the pastors who come stay. Pastor John this year will be celebrating 25 years as the senior pastor. You can see the blessing. When you see all that he has done, especially in these past few years with the establishment of all the other branches and the locations that we are able to be at, where we can reach each one of these communities, whether it's in New Paltz, Port Jervis, or Beacon. And the list goes on in reference to the blessing, the ability that we can come together in a building like this and to witness all of the servants who give day in and day out so that we would be able to experience a worship service. People who are cooking a meal or breakfast so that we would have fellowship. All of those are opportunities to experience God's blessing. Think about this, that we are going to celebrate what some would consider marginalized individuals, right? Where we would give them a night that they will remember, a prom where they will be crowned king and queen of that evening. All of them, because God loves them, right, will receive the message of life, right? Because God cares for them just like he cares for each and every one of us. But in order for that evening to happen, we have over 200 people serving. We're going to have over close to about 100 guests, right, where this whole sanctuary is going to be converted into a night of celebration. And, and again, that takes an army of people for that to happen. If you come to our congregational meeting, you'll hear the stories of all the things that God has done over the past year and what we plan to do in the, this coming year. All of that has to do with this ongoing blessing that you and I get to receive and experience. Right? And all of that happens because each and every one of us are interconnected and we are the church. So what can you and I do that can inter 
fear get in the way of the blessing that God has for us. That's what we are going to look at this morning because scripture, according to Paul, would say that when we worship something other than God, God will deal with the things that take away from the worship of God because he's a jealous God, but not jealous like you and me. His jealousy is wrapped in righteousness and just what's right. But I think for us to have an understanding of, well, what is idolatry, we need to get a definition. And there's no better place than Scripture to give us a definition of what idolatry is. So if we were to look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, here's what Scripture says. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, Sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Right? So if you want to know what worshiping idols is and what God is going to do, here's what God is going to do. But, but what is idolatry? In our present day, scriptures would say that anything that is earthly, anything that will take your distraction away, anything, right? So is there a compromise? No. Anything. Anything that is connected to sexual immorality, impurity, passions. Some of you might know, right, it's for 13 years of my life, I struggled with substance abuse. Now, when I started, I didn't start with the idea that I wanted to become addicted, right? I started because it was fun. I was having a good time. And all of a sudden, little by little, those substances led me to other substances. And I found that they allowed me to behave in a way that all of a sudden I wasn't full of fear and anxiety. And they gave me these false muscles in order to live life. And the more I engaged in those substances, the more the things that were important to me became less important to me to the point that I would amputate relationships. And in the end, I would find myself alone just me and my substance. And you ask yourself, well, what's behind that? Well, according to Paul, he would say it's demonic. Anything that's going to lead you astray. And here's the thing, that many of us have many things that lead us astray, and we think it's okay. Some of us are married and, and we have come into a place of thinking that being on separate ends of the house is okay. As long as I get to do what I do and you are free to do what you can do, then this relationship works. But that's not how God intended it to be. In a few weeks, and I know I'm going to be touching on a subject here, we're going to be experiencing the Super Bowl. And let me tell you, People will 
move mountains to make sure they get to their game, even if that team isn't their team. They will have all the goodies out. There'll be a party before the game. And listen, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the game, right? But when we allow the game to twist us in such a way that it becomes almost worship, right? Just, just think of all the hooting and hollering that's going to happen, right? Now, I believe that all of that should go to God. That when we're praising our team, we should praise with the same intensity or more towards God. That when we say, he made an awesome catch, you should see the catch God did for you and me. And some of us, we want to make the game a little bit more exciting and then we go and we invest ourselves in fantasy football because we might as well play the odds. This isn't a bad thing. I'm, I'm playing with my other Christian friends. But then what happens if you have a new Christian friend who struggles with gambling and he's watching you, the believer, invest in something that's ungodly. What's he supposed to do? And that is what Paul is getting at. Because Paul is addressing the church in Corinth. And this church is a church that he planted. This is a church that was blessed beyond their imagination with resources. But it was a church that was in the middle right, of idol worship. Idol worship like you cannot even imagine. The closest thing that I can think of would be a church at 42nd Street in 1970 before it got cleaned up. And for those of you who know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. Where just the most filthiest thing that human beings can do would be surrounding this church. And the leaders of that church, after the church was established, wrote to Paul. And they said, we got some concerns of certain things that are happening in the life of the church. Some of those things had to do with marriage and living a single life. Some of those things had to do with one Christian suing another Christian. In chapter 11, Paul will describe how we are supposed to come to the table. That we are supposed to examine ourselves. That if we are living out of accord with what he has said, that we're supposed to not partake that we're supposed to reflect, break those contracts that we have so that when we come back, we can take in a worthy manner. He would talk about spiritual gifts. But between chapter 8 and 10, he talks about one thing, and that is Christian liberty. Christian liberty. And not only does he talk about Christian liberty, but he explains to the church in Corinth, right, that idols, idols are human-made. 
They are powerless apart from the very thing we give them. So we don't have to be afraid of them. We don't have to be worried about them. But in addition to this knowledge that Paul bestowed upon them because they were very in tune with wisdom, Paul said what's even overarching that is Christian love. How we respect the new believer. That we would see that maybe our playing fantasy football, even though it's not an issue to us, might be a problem to the new believer. And maybe I should not engage in that behavior. So this is where we find ourselves as we look at these verses in 1 Corinthians 10. He would say, for I do not want you to be unaware. If you was to read the King James translation, it would say that ye should not be ignorant, is what it says. And here's one thing that I find about Scripture. That when Scripture says that you should not be ignorant, it's because somewhere in your life you're ignorant. Right? And these would be people who knew. Like some of us. Some of us, we know better. And guess what we do? We engage in the things we shouldn't engage in. And in our minds, we justify it as if it's okay, it's not hurting anybody. But I'll, I would even go as far, everything you do that hurts an individual, in the end, hurts the heart of God. Everything. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. Right, so what, what is Paul trying to say to the church at Corinth? All of a sudden he gives us a snapshot of what happened during the Exodus where God redeemed the children of Israel after they were enslaved for 400 years. Right? It said that all of our fathers were under the cloud. All of them passed through the sea. All of them were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. That's all of them. All of them experience the glory of God, the Shekinah glory of God. All of them were seeing the cloud covering them, protecting them from the rays of the desert. They would have light by night. They were able to walk on dry ground as God parted the Red Sea. They wait, he waited until they all got to the other end before the seas crashed down on their enemy, the Egyptians. While they were there, God provided manna. Scripture says that the manna tasted like wafer and honey. The manna was 
provided every morning that they would have to go and gather it. From a nutritional point of view, it had everything they needed in order to live a healthy life. They witnessed the power and glory of God, the redemption of God. And in the midst of that, they questioned God. Where scripture says that they were baptized into Moses, it's really that they were baptized into Moses' leadership. Just like you and I would be baptized into Christ's leadership. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Not only did God provide the manna, but he provided the very water that they needed. That is, the very rock, the rock that Moses struck, and all of a sudden, enough water came out of this rock to provide for two million people. Right? Talk about a blessing. And even in the midst of the blessing, what would the children of Israel do? Question whether they would be able to go into the promised land and take what God promised them. Except for two individuals, Jacob and Caleb. So the minute they question God, in the midst of all of his blessings, all of the glory, right, the Shekinah glory of God was present and they still questioned him. Think about it. Paul would say that that rock, that whenever they moved, that that rock followed them. Now, there is a rabbinical teaching during Paul's time, and it's a legend, and it says this, right? They would say that as the cloud moved and the children of Israel moved, that particular rock who provided the water would follow them wherever they went. So by the time they got to where they needed to go, that rock would be there. Now, I don't know about that. But I know spiritually Christ was there. And in light of all that God did, they questioned, they were full of fear, and God passed judgment on them. And because of that, they were in the wilderness for 40 years until all those men died. And then Joshua and Caleb were able to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. Now, these things took place as an example for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Here it is in Scripture. Paul is pointing to the Corinthian church. Now, don't do like they did. He would be saying the same thing to you and to me. Don't follow that example. But he would give us a few more examples. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. Paul's giving an example from the history of Israel. 
If you go to Numbers 25, verses 1 through 9, you will see that the children of Israel indulged themselves in sexual immorality. And scripture there would say that 24,000 fell. And then some of you might be saying, well, you just said 23,000, so is scripture incorrect? No, because Paul would say 23,000 fell in one day. So in the following day, another thousand would have fell. For doing what some of us do now, we eat and drink. Think of Super Bowl Sunday. I don't want to mess up your day. (laughs) But it's what God provided. When Scripture says that they rose up to play, Scripture sometimes has a way of cleaning up what we do as humans. That the picture there is that they got drunk, and as a result of their drunkenness, they had an orgy. Right? And that is what God detests. Right? Because all of that was happening with other individuals other than Israelites. And that is what God judged. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. He goes on to say, we must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents nor grumble, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Two separate events. The first one is in Numbers 21, and that is where the children of Israel push God to its limit. And as a response, God sent the serpents into their camp, and the serpents bit them, and some individuals died, and that's where God instructed Moses to build a bronze staff and and serpent, and if you lifted that high, and if the children of Israel put their eyes upon the staff, they would be healed. He then goes on to talk about grumbling, and grumbling has to do with number 16. You know, sometimes we grumble. We grumble because of the job we have. We grumble because we feel that our spouse is a nag and bothering us when we just want to relax. We grumble because we have certain family members in our lives and when they come over, they just create whatever mess. We grumble because it was cold out in the last few days. You know that when you grumble... You're not grumbling at the individual, right? It's like, it's not like, right? It reminds me of that little cartoon with the dog, right? And, and all of a sudden, it would have all the symbols above his head, right? Scripture would say that when you grumble, you are showing disdain to him. It's not the person, it isn't the job, because at the end of the day, God is the one that provided that person in your life. God is the one that provided that job. God is the one who's the provider of all that you and I have. So when you grumble and complain, 
Ultimately, you are unhappy with what God provided for you. And according to God, he sent the destroyer. And that angel is the same angel that destroyed the firstborn of Egypt. Now Paul is conveying all of this to the church of Corinth because he doesn't want them to be led astray. He wants the blessing of God to remain upon them just like we want the blessing of God to remain upon us. This morning, I had to preach the 7.30 service at the historic sanctuary. Yesterday, I was grumbling. I was thinking, maybe I can dispatch Pastor Ken <laughs> to cover that service. But all of a sudden, in the midst of my time with God and praying, as I said, Lord, forgive me. Right? Forgive me for just making it about myself and, and, and not about what you have called me to do. And, and that's what you do when all of a sudden you allow yourself to capture how you are thinking opposite of what God wants for you. You have to confess it, which is why I always create time at the beginning of the service for us to pray and confess, because that's so important in the life of the church. Now, these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the age has come. It's an example and instructions so that you and I would learn so that these things would not happen to you or to me or the life of the church. Because when these things happen to you as an individual, it impacts the church. And if more and more of you succumb to the pressures of this world, eventually that will impact the life of the church. We are not separated, but we are connected. We need to learn the examples that God wants us to learn. Right, we sit. Just think of the things we do when it comes to idolatry. Some of us are connected to gaming. Some of us are connected to our phones in a way that is so unhealthy. As a matter of fact, we all sit at the dinner table and we all are engaged in what's happening in the phone. We are so willing to allow the phone to interrupt our conversations that we think those things are more important than the person standing in front of us. And some of us just do things that is just ungodly. And the thing is that sometimes we wear our loved ones down that they just stop asking. Paul calls us to love. And sometimes love hurts. Sometimes love calls for a sacrifice beyond ourselves. On whom the end of the age has come. Remember Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew where he said, my kingdom has come. 
We are in that age today. Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. You know when you think you have the attitude, I got this? I got this. Guess what? You got nothing. Because <laughs> the moment you think you got it, you don't got it. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Right? And here's what Paul's trying to convey there. Because sometimes we can over-spiritualize temptation as it's supernatural. And according to Paul, he says, all temptations are common. There's not a temptation that no other human being has experienced. And we see that example through Jesus Christ where he was tempted. And he used scripture against Satan. But there's no temptation that's so unique, so special, that's going to lead you astray. So don't make it such a big deal when you fall. If anything, if you fall, pray, ask for forgiveness, and follow Christ. But then he would say, God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Right? In other words, what happens to us, God sees... God allows the things that you and I experience. All those things go through the fingertips of God himself. Each one of us, because of how we are, we will be able to withstand certain things. And not everything that you withstand will I be able to withstand. But God knows. He's faithful. He's the one I got to keep my eyes on. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Right? In the midst of your temptation, God is going to provide a way out. And that term, a way out, is really a military term. It's a term that says when an army is surrounded by the enemy... And all of a sudden, it seems as if there's no way out, that you're going to lose the battle. At the last minute, one individual identifies, hey, there's a path right here. I, I didn't see it before, but there it is. And I think if we move fast enough, we can all get out. God's not going to push us out. He's not going to kick us out. But he's going to provide the way. But it's our job to find it. It's our job not to be overwhelmed by our circumstance, but to keep our eyes on Christ. And he will show us the way. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Right? Paul calls them my beloved. He says, flee, run. The picture I get is the picture of Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Right? After being tempted and tempted and asked over and over. And eventually she got so frustrated she grabbed his tunic. He didn't care whether he was naked. He ran. Because he knew that if he stayed and started talking to her, he would have been led astray. We need to do that today. The church in Corinth needs to do that. 
to flee. I speak as to sensible people. Judge for yourself what I say. Right? Paul is coming to the church in Corinth saying, you know what? It's, you are sensible. You are individuals that have wisdom and knowledge. You have the very gift of Christ himself. And now he focuses on communion. The cup of blessing that we bless is it not participation in the blood of Christ and the bread that we break is it not participation in the blood of Christ? Those are rhetorical questions. There's only one answer to those questions and that is yes, yes. The cup of blessing is the third cup, the cup of redemption which Jesus Christ picked up on that Passover meal. It is the very cup in which he said, this is my blood. All of a sudden, he changed the meaning of that particular cup. Because there is one bread, we who are one body, for we all partake of one bread. Right? In other words, we are going to partake of communion. And when we do that, we are all interconnected as a community. We are all connected to all of those individuals that took communion yesterday here at Goodwill Church. We are all connected to those individuals who took communion this morning at 7.30. We are all connected to all those individuals that are going to take communion in New Pulse, Port Jervis, and Beacon. In other words, what you do matters. Then he gives another example. Consider the people of Israel. Are not those who ate the sacrifice participants in the altar? In other words, when they would come and bring their offering to the temple, the priest would receive it. The priest would take a portion. He would give a portion to God. He would give a portion back to you. And the whole community of Israel participated in that offering. What do I imply then? That the food offered to idols is anything or that an idol is anything? No. I imply that what the pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. Also, and Paul added one more element. Not only to knowledge, not only to love, not only to this idea of the liberties that you and I have as believers, but he says when you take a look behind what these individuals are doing in their worshiping, it is actually worshiping demons. And that's where Paul is going to draw a line. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? In other words, you can't behave a certain way on a Sunday 
And then by 7 o'clock when the football game comes on, they have a different way. I know what you're saying. Jose, why do you have to be so drastic? Because this is about life and death. And here's the thing. And if you have a question of what's acceptable and not acceptable, I don't believe when I read Scripture, football is going to be in heaven. Just letting you guys know. I don't think anything that is demonic is going to be in heaven. I don't think gambling is going to be in heaven. I don't think pornography is going to be in heaven. I don't think addiction is going to be in heaven. All these things that just separate us from the life of Christ, none of those are going to be in heaven. The only thing in heaven is going to be Christ, God, the Holy Spirit, and all believers who have been redeemed by his blood. And to that you can say amen. So don't try to justify the unhealthy choices that you make. One way that you can change it is by changing it now. By changing it now. Right, so we are going to partake of communion. Remember what Paul said at the end of chapter 9 when he talked about his liberties. In the middle, he says, I have become all things to all so that the gospel would be preached. He would say at the end of it, I don't want to be disqualified at the end of my life. So some of us are contemplating, so should I partake of communion? Should I not? In chapter 11, Paul would say that we need to examine ourselves or we bring judgment upon ourselves. So you, with God, right now need to do that work. To search your hearts. Is there anything that you're doing that is out of accord with God? Are you grumbling? Maybe you're sitting and, and earlier as the worship service was, that sun was coming through that window and you were saying, man, it's bothering. I knew I should have sat in that other seat. Whatever it is, deal with it with God. Do it because he loves you. Let us pray. Lord, we are grateful. Grateful for what you provide each and every one of us. You don't want to bring judgment upon your children. But you want us to receive the fullness of who you are. Lord, be with us. Be with us as we take of this table. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. On the evening when he was betrayed, he took bread, broke it, blessed it, gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body broken for you. A little later on in the evening, he took the cup, the cup of blessing, the cup of redemption. He said, this is, cup represents my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sin. 
As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim my saving death until I come again. Let us pray. Lord, we pray over these elements, a wafer and grape juice in place of wine. And Lord, we pray that you would set them apart, that they would be to our faith, your body broken, your blood shed. Lord, help us now as we commune with you. And Lord, and if there's anyone here who has chosen to abstain, Lord, bless them as they work out whatever issue is happening in their life. Be with my brothers and sisters. Amen. Thank you again for listening to today's sermon. For more resources and information about Goodwill Church, visit goodwillchurch.org. God bless.